Hey, happy Thanksgiving. I hope you guys had a wonderful holiday. So I'm with Jared Fetzer. He is a musician. He's a songwriter and a rock musician. So he had so much interesting stuff to say about the end times that I thought we chat on this podcast. Uh, I actually met him or heard of him on KJ's Osborne uh, podcast, and he has some interesting theories about the end times, especially with children. So I just wanted to have a fellowship hour with uh, Jared um, to just talk about whatever we can, what his wisdom tells us. Hi, Jared. How are you? Hi. Thank you so much for uh, having me on your show. Um, I'm doing really well. Uh, sorry, this is the only quiet space I could get. Yeah. I've got three young children at home. So yeah, no worries. Um, so do you want to tell the audience of, like what your uh, music is and who you are just so they get it? Yeah, so I'm basically nobody. My, my name is Jared yeah. Fetzer. I'm from <laughs> uh, central Ohio, um, a bit of a singer songwriter. I uh, haven't done too many shows, but I'm just kind of getting started out there. I have a song on Spotify called Pleading for Apocalypse, and I'll be uh, coming out with another single come December. So it should be, should be, I think the first or second week of December when the, that, that comes out. Yeah. And I can play a little bit of the song from YouTube that, uh, pleading for apocalypse. Uh, so what is that song about? Like, it's interesting that you kind of took the Bible prophecy and, you know, use that in your music. So that is very much about, um, it's an intrinsic and extrinsic kind of song about our role as human beings in the coming apocalypse like basically how our wickedness and our our kind of indifference it doesn't necessarily bring about but it it uh, helps to hasten kind of the apocalypse and the song is just kind of like being fed up with with what's going on in the world and just wanting God to reveal everything that's happening. Interesting. So you're saying like the people are kind of become so apathetic that they're just wanting the end times to hasten so they can just get to the end and meet God. And then those that rejected God kind of finalize their plan sort of way. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of the same sentiment that note that uh, Jonah came to. Um, it's like, cause in 2019 I had this kind of prayer which was weird. Um, it was kind of praying for the end almost. It's just like, God, at this point, like your justice, your swift justice would be merciful yeah. upon us because we've just become so wicked. And then those of us who aren't wicked are kind of like apathetic. And I mean that like also with myself, like I can be very apathetic and be like, ah, oh, it is what it is. I'm not going to do anything about it. And I think that's actually even more wicked in some cases than actually going out and you know doing things to harm people if that makes well, sense yeah what should we be doing then as christian because i i do feel like the there is a sort of a great awakening among christians and non-christians that something major is happening in the world that is sort of out of their control yeah and yet, so there are people that are looking towards god that like come now rapture us now you know he might have a plan that's ongoing for a while or it could just be tomorrow uh, but then the wickedness are kind of taking advantage like the evil is just growing immensely we're like targeted like fireworks you know stuff is happening here stuff is happening here and so much that it's overwhelming so what do you think that christians should be doing uh in these days well i think one thing is being very much more intentional with knowing who god is 
Yeah. And when I say when I say knowing who God is, I mean like knowing who you are in relation to him, being in prayer. And and what I mean by prayer isn't necessarily just just like praying for things to happen in your life. I mean like actually praying that you obtain Christ's virtues. And we should all be praying for opportunities to become more humble and become more patient and long suffering. Because yeah. really I think long-suffering patience and humility is actually what makes us endure to the end because that's what we're called to do. All the prophecies and everything, those who endure to the end will be saved. Yeah, exactly. So maybe not looking for a way out of the situation, but enduring it with steadfast and love and holding on to God to get through it. So you mentioned in the reason why I was so interested in you uh, during KJ's podcast because you said something very insightful, very wisdom um, that it kind of gravitated to make sure that I find you. Because uh, you said something about the when the end times come, the children, there'll be likely there'll be not no longer any children being born. I think partially yeah. because of what's happening with 2020. Uh, but also, you think the chemistry and the desire to have children will be gone, that people will no longer have children? Or why did you say that? I, I said that because I know that Satan's plan is to eliminate humanity. Yeah. One one thing that I think um, our enemy can't stand is the fact that there's more innocence being born into the world. That there's more opportunities for, for those to become like Christ and like God. And I think one of the main goals of the devil is to snuff that out. To snuff out all innocence. Because in a way, it's the only way he could really hurt God is by destroying his his creation. Also, um, that seems to be the direction that people, the majority of people are oriented to is rather than having children. Rather than like sexuality being being a medium in order to procreate, it's just a medium for pleasure and self-soothing. Um, yeah so to speak. Totally. Yeah, and that's why the children are kind of the ones that are in this generation are gravitating towards these ideologies that de gender is like infinite, you know, those kinds of things that they don't even honor being a boy or a girl and the family unit, anything goes. How can that really be self-sustaining if 50 years from now all this kind of plays out? Yeah, it can't be. It, it can't be. Um, you can't just live a secular life just for your own pleasure. Like, yeah. And, and, and like even the distortion of what love is, like people say love is love. And, and like when they say that phrase, they're not really saying love is love, like an unconditional kind of love, a kind of caring for yeah. your fellow man. They're not even saying that. They're actually using it in a sexual sense. It's, it's perverting love to only be sexual. So that when you hear love, it you you have this connotation that it's it has to do with sexual uh, sexuality, and so it's kind of blurring the word. and And what they want to do, and I don't mean like them as like the people who are afflicted with delusion. I mean like demons, the powers that be, Satan. What they want to do is blur everything, so everything's confusing. 
so that you can have multiple definitions that could be contradictory for the same word. Yeah, that's unfortunate, but people are kind of allowing that to happen. You know, it's the parents' fault. I mean, if, you know, well, what was it, the, the library, the, you know what I'm talking about? The Yeah. Are, yeah. They're very young kids. Why, why would the parents do that to their kids? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. So it seems like to me that people are just rejecting God as a whole. And that, oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Interesting thing that you said was that when the fullness of the Gentiles, like there wouldn't be a fullness of the Gent, or Christ wouldn't need to save those that are not that are done being born or something like that. I'm butchering it. So yeah, so it's kind of this idea where like the end of the world comes when humans stop procreating because who are you going to save if there's no one left to save? Like you can't yeah. save innocence if innocents aren't being born. And there's this really poisonous idea um, that I've seen even Christians have. It's just like, well, I don't want to have children um, because it's the, it's going to be the apocalypse, the end of the world. And I'm just like, that's counterintuitive yeah. because like you're not bringing up any more Christians. Like you need to. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to have a world full of everything else. Like, yeah. who, who's going to be carrying the torch of the gospel if you don't have children? So, is it really kind of implying is Christians' responsibility that are kind of failing the first commandment in Genesis, be fruitful and multiply, since they're going to stop doing that? That means anyone that's non-Christian, do you know, if they have children, that's, are you saying they also are included that they're going to stop having kids too, or does it not? Matter? I think so. I think fear and pleasure are the two most powerful motivators yeah. in, in human humans um, and pretty much everything else. So if you can't get one side with pleasure seeking and hedonism, you can get the other side with fear, being afraid of what's to come. And I see a lot of my friends who are Christians very much afraid of the end. And that's kind of a, a scary thing in of itself. It's just like seeing Christians being afraid of Christ coming back. Because like, yeah, the world gets worse and it gets more wicked and it gets harder and harder for Christians. But the hard reality is it's supposed to. Like if your life isn't hard, if it's not difficult, if you're just walking around and life is easy for you and you're a Christian, I just don't think that you're really walking in Christ because no, that's a great point. I think that's what a lot of Christians realize that we're kind of in the spiritual warfare fight and it's not going to be easy. In fact, to be a Christian means you're going to suffer and you're going to be persecuted in many ways. It doesn't have to look like, you know, stake to the heart or anything, but it could just be an everyday, you know, life where you're confronted with evilness all the time. And what, how do you respond you know, where mm. you're going to be anti-corruption, anti-whatever. And, you know, either you belong to it. Just like what happened in 2020, you have to make a decision. You know, are you going to abide by the mandates or are you going to reject it? And that's the battle. But it's constant. It's not like it's just one time event. It's like a daily battle. So perhaps Christians don't even realize that. And they're kind of gravitating. Or the ones that do, maybe they're hoping for the rapture to come and Yeah. Say, well, and I'm not. I'm not even sure of the rapture. Yeah. Um, I mean, Christ can do what he wants. Right. Uh, that's kind of like my stance on it because I've, I've studied it a lot and, and I haven't come to any conclusions on exactly how the end will play out. The only conclusion I've come to is that we will know when it's happening. Oh, yeah. 
100%. Like, but if, if you're not studying and you don't have a relationship with Christ, you're not going to know much at all. Like you're going to suffer from delusion. Yeah, I wholly agree with that. And in fact, that's why I did the start of the Bible study, uh, where we actually go through verse by verse, chapter by chapter. It's taking a long time. I've only done two weeks. And anybody who's been watching the two witnesses series, uh, Mark is no longer going to continue. He has other stuff that he wants to do. So I will take a pause and looking for a new Bible study partner. And until I do, I won't be able to start the next book. But that was my goal with the Bible study is to kind of showcase the word of God by itself without too much other theories or comments. Just read the mm. word and then allow that to sink in because I feel like a lot of Christians haven't even or don't even read the Bible in full. They'll read parts yeah. of it. And then that could lead you to delusion, you know, as to what could, what's coming. Well, also, I like to think too um reading it by yourself can lead to delusion because when we read things um a lot of the times we read ourselves into them yeah. um, we read our own understanding and that is actually in of itself delusional because the people who wrote the bible weren't thinking like we think god doesn't even think like we think yeah. um i mean like i've always kind of had like a little bit of a bit of a problem with christians being like oh just read the bible for yourself i'm just like well that's how denominations just oh, split yeah. off it's like everybody gets their different understanding of what they think god means yeah. and so i think that's kind of like my spiritual path has been leading me more towards like a Eastern Orthodox kind of Christian view of things. What's the difference between Eastern Orthodox versus uh, other forms of Christianity? And one of the main differences is that they do have a consistent historical connection to Christ and the apostles. Oh, okay. And their, their theology is very like well worked out. And it's not so um, systematic like Protestants. Protestants, is, it's kind of very like systematic. We have, they have very defined um, kind of systems in which they interpret who God is and exactly. And there's not too much mystery. So there's that difference. And then there's the whole other difference of salvation is where like some Protestants are and this is not true for all Protestants at all. Um, but a lot of Protestants are like, oh, once you say the prayer, you're good. And you believe the prayer, you know, you're saved. You know, kind of like KJ is kind of the camp that it's he's like once saved, always saved. And I disagree, but I love KJ and and everything. I mean, I don't want to at so all. So what would like, you envision that? that people can come out of their salvation? So I think you're being saved, you will be saved, and you have been saved. So yeah. there's different aspects to salvation. It's a holistic process to heal the soul. Sort of like sanctification, right? Process of becoming more so, yes. the image of Christ than... But at any, point, at any point in your life, you can turn away from... You can turn your will away from God. Yes, so you're wanting of, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and Jesus to be consistent even with Jesus' parables, you you really can't actually have that kind of view where it's once saved, always saved, because he has, of course, the sower that goes out and sows seed on the path, and they get trampled and they do not survive, or the seed that gets planted on the rocks, where you know they shoot up really quick, but then they don't have the nutrients to. Oh yeah, yeah. Because like yeah, it's point. not that this. 
the sower isn't evil. He's scattering seeds so it can grow. And where the seed lands, sometimes there's nutrients where it grows and comes up and then gets snuffed out by birds. And, and what the birds are is like, you know, people coming and convincing you otherwise of, of like um, human ways and like, yeah. oh, and vain philosophies coming about and to convince you that Christ isn't the way. So like if you can be convinced and start your journey to salvation and then it be um, snuffed out by a, you know, proverbial bird or by being trampled on or by not having enough nutrients, then of course, yes, you can lose your salvation, but it's not like Christ didn't save you. Right. I still saved you. He still sowed that seed. He provided because without the sower, you wouldn't have even had the possibility to even grow and and understand who God is and get to know who God is and to be saved and have the healing of your soul. Yeah, I think you made a very wise comment about that because using that parable, it's we're really just seeds that it doesn't if it doesn't plant in everybody, then obviously it's not going to bear fruit. What do you think about, like, many Christians now, they have their own theology that looks like it's uh, Christ-based, but then it just kind of veers off into other directions that are not recognizable, but they still call themselves Christians. I've been meeting a lot of that in there. Yeah, I think it's the same kind of thing. It's like, I'm spiritual, but not religious. Yeah, It's just like, they want to associate with something good like Christ, and they want to have the appearance of godliness, but deny the power yeah but do you think christians can really know god if they don't read the bible because many of them kind of heard about christ and maybe know about christ but then they don't know well can a blind person know who god is (laughs) well there in theory yes if you if you can there there are many ways to know truth and one is by listening one is by seeing and one is by touching feeling experiencing through through that so I don't think it's so black and white where like you can have a Christian who who can't read who comes to uh, Christ and is in heaven. So it's not necessarily so important the medium by which you know God, but it's more important that you move your will towards God. Um, because but, Christ made that possible. Then why do we need the Bible at all if we just live by faith and sort of, you know, go through what he wants to show us and have that relationship? What's the point of reading the Bible then? Um, too, too much is given, much is required. We're not all judged the same. Uh, so the, so if you have the Bible and you don't read it, your judgment is much harsher than that somebody who does not have it and does not read it. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So well, you're, you're judged based on on, it's not like based on your works like your works save you but you are judged based on on your um it's more based on your relationship with god like if you're not even trying to have a relationship with god and god has done all this for you like that's just basically saying yeah i don't want a relationship with you god and you're moving your will to having relationships with other things that will eventually just result in your death how do you have that relationship the only way is in repentance is to every day be repenting of your sins and becoming more like Christ. So, um, and that's so by putting on the, 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 the fruits of the spirit and yeah. the virtues. So in theory, like someone who's never read the Bible overseas or even calls Jesus by his name, but has all the fruits of the spirit. What do you think about that person? I'm not sure. I, I, I couldn't say because yeah. 
there's the principle where we don't know the heart, where somebody can look like they're following God and they're obeying all, all these things and doesn't know anything about God, but they could be just doing it for their own for their own personal sake and love has nothing to do with it. Like they're just do, getting along to get along, so to speak. Yeah. But, um, I think we have to reserve, we have to stop focusing so much on who's saved and who isn't saved, like in their walk and just encourage people to move their will to god and to repent i think that's the most important thing and to bring those who do not have act who do not understand god to understanding of who he is so it's not our place to judge people on if they're going to be saved or if they're not because we don't know we can't know even if our understanding of how salvation works is 100 we still can't know because we don't know their No, hearts. that's true. Nobody really truly knows who, that's for God to decide who is and who isn't. Oh, and another thing is, it's not our place to say when God can be merciful and when he can't. Yep. I think he does say that, that it's the mercy. He's He can be merciful to anybody, which means anywhere around the world. But the arguments is, you know, they, they hear that for the unbelievers that God in a way is unjust, where there's so many people, they claim to be good and following God's ways, but yet if they don't call on Christ, that they're not saved. So I wanted to kind of refute that argument. Yeah, that, that, that argument is really silly because it basically assumes that the person knows that this person's good. Like that, that's the underlying assumption of that whole argument is this person is good and God's going to reject them because this is like, well, first of all, you have two false premises. I don't know anything about that person. I don't know what the relationship's like with God. I don't know if they are yeah, moving yeah. their will to God. And also, I don't even know if Christ Christ could have come to them in a dream. He could have come to them on their dying day. There are mis there are things that Christ can do that is just mysterious to us. We don't yeah. know if Christ can come to them even after they're dead, so to speak. Maybe there's a period of time where the soul lingers and Christ can come to them after they're dead deceased but the soul hasn't yet i don't know or i don't know because i don't think it's i like, don't know any of that yeah. I, I just but i just God allow can do for, anything. yeah yeah i allow for mis christ there could be some mysterious way in which christ saves somebody or told the gospel to someone before they passed or and then they rejected it or didn't reject it but the thing is the opportunity that we have is we can reject god and we can move our will away from God. But the thing is, if you move your will away from God, you can't experience heaven because God because God is heaven in, yeah. in a sense. Yeah. Like you can't experience heaven without God. It's this whole problem that I run into with a lot of people who's like, Well, God's sending people to hell. And it's just like, no, you moved your will away from God. The only other place is hell. You can yeah, even see it play out in your own mind. If they're rejecting God altogether and some make a point to fight against God, then they're essentially choosing hell of their own making. Without God, it's going to be darkness because God said he's light and there's no darkness in him. So if God is not there, then it's just going to be darkness. And Well, it's also chaos, confusion. Yeah, It's both burning and freezing. It is both gasping but not having any breath. It is it is contradictory reality. That's really what health is. It's your soul living out a contradiction that can't technically be possible, but yet you're living it out because the only the only thing you can live out in absence of order, in goodness, 
and stuff is something of nonsense of non-existence because non-existence isn't like you don't exist it's just like you you can potentially exist in non-existence it's just going to be hell for you because nothing's going to make sense you're in disorder you know we can already see hell yeah yeah you don't start your journey to hell once you die you start it like as soon as you're born hell is a spiritual reality but i don't i think children when they can only decide when they come of age to know god i don't know if they well right and that's because god's merciful like he's not going to judge a baby yeah right (laughs) who's never had any opportunity and also like that's another point christ died christ died for all the innocents as well who never had the opportunity to hear and that's the importance of the verse where it has the heralding of hades because all those who died before christ actually preached the gospel in hades which verse is so, that i don't think i remember i that. think it's second peter um okay. second second period talks about the heralding of hades and it says in many prophecies that um christ would go down and release those in shield i think so, i yeah. read up more on that because i didn't know that he was actually going in those dark places but i guess he has the authority he to had to open up the keys of death and hades he has um, the keys to those places i i'm not exactly sure on this but i think even in jesus parable he has of uh, the rich man lazarus who died yeah and then the poor man who who died was in abraham's bosom yeah. And that, both those places were in Sheol. So there was a place of resting, kind of not quite paradise in Sheol. And there was also the place for those who did wickedly, which was more of the torturous side of Sheol. So it looks like there was like kind of like a division in hell before Christ. Um, so it's kind of like a temporary place of holding place before they actually get a judgment, the final judgment. Well, well yeah. And we actually see that hell still exists in our time right now but it will be passed into the lake of fire at the end of time yeah which i can't (laughs) it's just like hell was ransacked by christ um it's not the same place after christ conquered it and that's really what the gospel is it's it's the word that christ has conquered death and hell and so that now it's possible for us to move our will to god because christ died and redeemed all of humanity christ didn't just redeem like us after we repented he redeemed human nature and i don't mean on a universal sense like everybody's saved now i mean like he redeemed human human nature to a point where we could actually move our will to god if we accepted the gospel and we repent yeah, I think so, too, because that's when after the Garden of Eden, um, when God was with Adam and Eve in the garden, once they sinned, the separation began be- between God and simple men. So where a plan had to be like he tried to dwell with them, even with the Israelites uh, in Exodus, mm-hmm. after he saved them. But they still kept on sinning and rejecting God. Some of them still, even if they kept all their perfect laws, they couldn't do it. So that was the ultimate plan to have Jesus come and redeem all of us through faith. That- right. Well, there's also the, the an idea where, you know, before the fall, that Christ was still going to become incarnate to live among us. Like, uh, yeah. if, we, if we never fell, I think Christ yeah. would still become incarnate. That way we would be able to know God even more. Because, like, you don't just, like, just because you fall, like, just because you there's an opportunity to fall and stuff doesn't mean there's if we didn't that there wasn't the opportunity to even 
become more like God. That yeah, was so in the Garden of Eden, wasn't it Jesus? Though I think it was Jesus himself. Yeah, was in the Garden. Well, yeah, of course, um, because the Trinity has always um, existed. Yeah, like it wasn't like even Christ said before Moses was, "I am." Yeah. That's a statement of his person. So Christ was obviously there in the garden with Adam and Eve. Yeah. That was, yeah. So there's there's this idea that we grow more like God as we spend time with God. And I don't mean yeah. like we become God as he is in his essence. I mean, we yeah, grow no, more yeah. in in kind of God's energies. Um, well, his image, so, his true image, like that God said, yeah. God said he made us in his image, and as corruption began, many followed towards the image of Satan, and those mm -hmm. that belong to God become more and more closer and back to his image, which I think yeah. Adam and Eve were supposed to be, were true, reflecting his true character of God. Um, before they got corrupted let's talk about your music i wanted to share your song and i know are you still doing the fundraising for your album i'm actually done with that yeah so okay. um yeah that's actually an old video okay um, facebook post tell me about your album now yeah so it's just gonna it's it's gonna be two songs because i only got it halfway funded um during yeah. the campaign but um, basically, the two songs are the first one, that which you already had pulled up, which is called Pleading for Apocalypse. And so I have to think about the, the words that song, because sometimes, like, when I write a song, I want the song to mean everything it can mean, like, given the um, musical structure as well as the uh, words that I put into it. The first verse is trapped inside a place we made but do not recognize. So that's basically describing the modern world. Like, we all made this together collectively through our participation with each other in, you know, building society and being part of it. And yet, we look around and we don't really, we can't make sense of it, so to speak. It, it doesn't look, it doesn't look recognizable. Um, and so that's kind of like what that means. It's like, we're built, in, in a sense, it's also like we're building our own downfall, too. Like, we're building our own prison. Oh, that's for sure. <laughs> that's been on and, accelerating that we're building our own prison because everybody's yeah. also working with satan to build all these technologies and kind of move everything forward so i was doing the search on um so i i didn't know which link i know i have your facebook page um yes um so, so i think if you actually just go on youtube okay um go back to youtube go in the search bar there oh, okay and then search Jared Fetzer. And under topic, it should show. Yep, that's it right there. Okay. First thing. Uh, I love ads. Aren't they just so great? <laughs> All right. So we'll play this one.
likewise saying um about the first verse of that song it's talking about of course the world and how we're basically creating our own prison or our own hell if you will and then the second verse is about ourselves as well like we i think it goes we look in the mirror it's our faces but they've got blackened eyes and i mean both like both in the sense of like we have black eyes like we got beat up and stuff but also like black eyes like kind of like demonically possessed as well so do you think in towards the end or last of days people are going to be like visibly showing their demonic possession because i i I think so yeah absolutely i think we're actually already starting to see that like like just like with the stuff that kj shows with the um slits and stuff and even the black-eyed children that people have witnessed um and people with black eyes i know people are actually dying their their whites of their eyes black so oh i know that's crazy yeah but do you think the baby's born with like black eyes that's just some medical condition or you i mean they're kind of making it sound like more that it's possession or something they're not yeah i can be demonic i i don't know (laughs) i don't know (laughs) i don't know if like those like videos are doctored in any way or if it's just some kind of like um condition of the uh, whites of their eyes where maybe the blood is clotting yeah. in a weird way and and then that's causing necrosis or yeah. something like that because that could be it too um there's so many different things it could be um and i can't tell you which one's which because i think they're all possible like, yeah i don't know if children can really be demonized in that way when we just talked about the innocence yeah. you know that god protects <laughs> the innocence but i do think adults for sure um, well i don't know because if you're starting to mess with the genome and stuff oh, like right, hybridization um yeah. And cloning, I'm not sure because that stuff is scary you know, stuff, you know. Yeah, that's a good what point. What effect does that have on the soul? Because I don't that's know. That's what I wonder too, because I'm thinking, can clones have a soul? Would God, because that's against God's way of having being fruitful and multiply, right? Because it's the soul that, yeah, God. Any and genetic engineering is like going to become the ultimate game now for the next 50 years or more so what happens to all these genetically modified babies and adults that do they lose their soul are they born with a soul i i I would say i would probably veer more towards they're not born with a soul yeah so you know Um, that's what i was thinking about when i heard your comment on kj one that you know people may reject to have kids on their own or genetically modified where they can't but my main thought was back then was that with the genetic engineering where these new kinds of babies and adults are being born not by natural birth but actually altered would they even have a soul and perhaps towards the end they're not going to have that humanity inside of them if there's no soul in them right well i think it's the other thing christ came to redeem humanity and if you're not human then if you're not well there's also like the the argument where like you're messing with creatures you're trying to be god yeah you're creating something in the likeness of an image of of the image of your vain imagination how could your vain imagination create something as holy as a innocent soul you can't so i'm wondering i'm wondering if they're actually trying to create genetically engineering humans to inhabit uh the demonic or the nephilim spirits that 
lost your I job. honestly think yes. Yeah. Absolutely. That makes complete sense to me. That's, yeah. that's, I think, probably what maybe the alien invasion would be. Yeah. If it is real. Like, right. that's that's what I would do if I was the devil. Yeah. You know? Because there are, like, like spirits all genius. over the place. And then having the simplest pleasures with their current bodies, you know, that isn't going to satisfy them. So they need that superhuman qualities that they only understand we don't really understand but all the movies yeah humans can change into these superheroes with extra abilities and perhaps that's what they're trying to do you know and then the yeah. nephilim spirits can have uh, finally have that physical body that they crave so much for all pleasures mm -hmm. well i was talking about this with a friend like a uh, body like being a uh, person who has locality like being embodied like that's the thing like spirits don't have locality like i'm not saying they're everywhere all at, all at once but they're definitely in multiple places at the same time they're not omniscient but they they don't they're not local either that must be very frustrating for a spirit that in, that at one time experience being embodied because your experience becomes less dynamic and more static if you don't have a local position well and i the think body that's why that gives them like the feeling of pleasure of eating and all these fleshly things where isn't that why they even possess people anyways because they want well it gives them order yeah because if they're not in it, they're in a state, it's like a dry desert, like how Christ describes it. It's yeah. being, they don't, they're not able to experience, but yet they have experienced the pleasures of this world eating, but yet they have all these desires too. But they're also, they have the desire to be local as well. That's why like places get haunted. It's because they want yeah. to localize in something because if they're not, then they're just being blown about everywhere they have no control almost it seems yeah i think there's so there, there be living in a world there might be like not humans humans and then humans like that might yeah be reality right yep so. yeah absolutely i think so um and and i think the temptation for us is to try and discern which is which and then become violent towards whichever but i don't think we should do that at oh. all no, I think um, it's supposed to reflect the image of God, and God is going to be the one that's going to judge. But I think there's going to be a generation that's going to be alive in these kinds of issues that we're not really part of yet. Um, when they start, because we kind of live with the last 20, 30 years of genetically modified foods. We accepted it. I don't even think I've eaten a real tomato in a long time. You know, those vegetables have kind of been altered. Uh, so imagine, you know, 30 years from now where they can perfect some of this technology. And I think the ultimate goal is to really offer uh, synthetic immortality, where that's where that I think Mark of the Beast might come into play. Where people well, I think that's actually accepting hell. Yeah. Because you're trying to accept eternality without God. The right. only thing that there is, it, if you want to be eternal and you want to be eternal without God, that's hell. Like, yeah, that's just what it like. There's no other state you can be. Yeah, it, it is. They're trying to like logically own, like you can't yeah. like like 
it will manifest as hell. Well, those that once they step into it, yeah, they won't realize it. But in the beginning, they'll think they're creating their utopia. Because for many, they don't, if they don't believe in God anyway, they don't accept the eternal life that God gives this, the heaven, his kingdom. They, if they rejected all that, then they're kind of in a peril. Like, okay, the world is getting, their lifespans are getting shorter and shorter. They got to do something to be able to live longer because now they can create generate a ton of wealth all these wealthy people billionaires and trillionaires but yet they're mortal and they're going to die very soon yeah well i it's because they don't understand that right now everyone's experienced god's energies because we're constantly experiencing god in a state of mercy so that we come to god if we were all judged now we'd either be in and we'd uh, we'd probably be and experience experience the lack of god's goodness and grace and mercy and order and all these things so like this time right now that we're in is merciful because there's only two places to be there's only two states of existence in opposition to god or in dwelling with god and yeah. and that in dwelling with god is is heaven and opposition to god is hell because that's the only two realities that can exist because God is the source of existence. Yeah, and I think since Satan is kicked out of the garden and out of heaven, he's trying to build his kingdom. Uh, I think he's been using humans since Adam and Eve to kind of build his kingdom. And now mm. we see it visually, like all the stuff that he wants to build and what it's going to look like. It's To him, it's going to yeah. be like synthetic biology. All the technology to kind of live in this virtual hell and perhaps genetic engineering to change the body to be yeah. living longer. But ultimately, God's going to judge all of it. But it is interesting. But what do you think about like the time that we're in? I mean, a lot of them think that we're very close to the end. I try not to think of things so linearly, like in, in terms of being linear all the time. I think every day we get closer to Christ coming back. Of course. Yeah. Um, but I also know that humanity is a very fickle thing. Yeah. Like, we could be very close to our end and yet be very far from it, if you know what yeah. I mean. I think yeah. a lot of it has to do with um, us moving our will away from God or to God. I think at times in history, we moved so far away from God where we were very close to our end. But And there's also the, the thing where like, I might be wrong about that. And like, God might actually have a date that's set. You know, it's just, he hasn't told me or anybody else about it. Where I'm at, from my point of view, things are getting pretty bad. I see it in my direct family. You know, I see it all around me. I see people... Yeah not wanting anything to do with God because they, they, they don't even want to have an understanding of who he is. Like they're not like people don't even know, want to know what's true. You know what I mean? And truth isn't a concept. It's a person. Yeah. It's God. So if they reject God, yeah. I've been experiencing the same thing. People in my life have made their decision and it's hard to reconcile that they don't even want to know, but I guess, yeah. you know, everybody's kind of choosing their dividing line. That's kind of what yeah. That's what I'm seeing. Um, I might be seeing it incorrectly, and some of those people that I think have decided may not have. Because um, you know, uh, sometimes people hit rock bottom, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I created yeah. hell in my lifetime. I need to move my will to God." And like that's their kind of come to Jesus moment, and then they start moving their will to God, and then they repent, and maybe Christ saves them. So I don't write people off ever. Yeah. Um, 
just well, because that's true. they have till the very last breath to figure that yeah. out. Yeah. And God, God is so merciful. Um, we, we can't even understand it. And yet God is also just like in his mercy. He's just in his love. He, he, uh, is also holy like he like there's this god there's this false gospel of love and acceptance and tolerance in this world right now where it's like you have to accept me as i am basically either that or you can go kick rocks yeah it's just like that's not a good way to live um because if i just have to accept you as you are and you're a liar like yeah. and i don't ever encourage you to um tell the truth I'm not even being a good person because I'm not telling you in, in a way that you can live your life better. Yeah. Except people don't want to hear that. That's the problem. Everything like, you know, everybody's offended by very little things now. So you can't, yeah, and, it's hard to preach to them who are not ready to listen. Well, that's why I ask people when I have these kinds of conversations, just like um, one of my first questions to them is just like, what do you think of the truth? Like, are you open to being wrong? Um, are you open to learning what what is true or haven't even have an open-minded mind to their being truth because if somebody doesn't even believe that there's truth like talking to them is pointless because you're you're going to have different definitions for different words you're not even going to be speaking the same language it's going to be babble all over again like <laughs> that's what people don't understand is it's when you use a word that you think means something specific and you talk to somebody who doesn't believe in truth, they're going to have their own definitions based on their lived experience that aren't going to be the same as yours. So in yeah, a lot of clear for sure that everybody has or changed the meaning or they don't even know what truth is and they have their own version. So it's like to them, if you're trying to preach the truth and they don't believe that and they kind of have their own sets then they said, well, why is your truth more truth than my truth? You know, so you kind yeah, of... Yeah, it comes yeah. down to everybody's the god of their own shrinking universe. <laughs> like, yeah. and they can only they can only let people in their universe that that think the same way and are, are the gods of their, their universe that's also the same as the other person's universe. Like, <laughs> those are the only kind of coexistent relationships they can have because when you're the god of your own shrinking universe... You should call um, it a title of your next album, God of the Shrinking Universe. That, that's pretty good. I would say that one. Yeah. I, I actually got that line from Muse. Um, so it's not like the god you're the god of your own drinking universe. I think Muse has a song where it says something similar to that. Like because Muse is a heavy influence on on my kind of style of songwriting. So I listen to a lot of their stuff. Are you completed two songs? Um are you gonna you're still gonna continue to build on this album, right? Oh absolutely. I I want this I wanted this to be like my dream is to have like a 13 song um kind of concept album. So what's stopping you? Is it just financial like people Yeah just financial. Um because I, I did uh, see your fund page. Are you still is that still active? No, that's over. That's okay. over. I probably should start like a, uh, a a separate page, like if people want me to produce more music to donate to that. Because I've got a local studio here now. Like I went and recorded in Boston, Massachusetts, okay. and I live in Ohio, so that was quite uh -huh. a trek. And that took a that was a that was expensive. <laughs> so yeah, the whole thing was was pretty expensive. Um, I'm really grateful that that I got to do the 
the crowdfunding project and everything and everybody was super generous and it was a really great learning experience and i'm very thankful very grateful um because if it wasn't for the generosity of other people and for um a studio you know reaching out to me and be like hey we can help you with this i would have never gotten it done um and it would have would have just been a vain imagination if people want to help you out now um is there a way to help you like on your facebook or i guess you're going to set something up right where yeah so i have i have venmo um but that's that's pretty much it that's all i have right now and i'm going to be setting up a online store for merch and whatnot because i'm going to have some t-shirts here soon i'm actually i have the design and everything i just have to save up some money in order to actually buy the the web space to uh sell the t-shirts and everything yeah well you should use that phrase for one of the t-shirts the shrinking universe i kind of like that one yes you're the god of your own shrinking universe well i have another phrase too um from my next song that's coming out it's i it's called i am armageddon that's the one that's going to be released in December. That one is about how we're the battle, we're the the last battlefield yeah. humanity is, and I think the last person, the last chorus of the song is, "As I stand, ten thousand fall, bending knees to a devil's call." Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite lines from the chorus of the new song is, "As I stand, ten thousand fall, bending knees to a devil's call." Are we the souls the angels fought for? against these demons unholy war as the blood cries from the innocent i am armageddon well i can't wait to hear that release are you do you do like um live performances and stuff i'm going to start doing a couple i want to do it i want to start like slow out because i've got a four-year-old a two-year-old and a newborn yeah wow so um right now i'm just building up like a network of musicians where i can kind of collaborate with um and if anybody on your channel sees this and wants to collaborate and help write songs i am more than happy to to do that with because i'm mostly a melody writer and a singer i have to collaborate for pretty much everything else wow Um, well i could put out a call for any musicians out there that want to work with jared hit me up and i will also post his links where you can contact him directly yeah first song that i wrote um a bit more of what it's about is it's about accepting your responsibility for the end of your life and the end of the world and standing tall in that acceptance because the last the bridge of the song says of uh pleading for apocalypse it goes the sun and moon both eclipse please dear god bring your my head held high my shoulders back we had our time Man, I gotta reread the lyrics again because I'm getting the order of this all mixed up. The gospel through your music, though, I mean, isn't that kind of what you're doing? My goal for these songs is to write apocalyptical music and literature that that mirrors Revelation. Oh, I see. So you're kind of so. So the goal of it is to um, mirror Revelation from a singular point of view that can be applied to a lot of people's um lived experience and one of them is to is to get them to realize their responsibility towards repentance to god yeah i mean we all have that but i guess it all comes down to whether 
they're open to listening to God or not, you know? Yeah. By the time we get to Revelation, though, it's kind of towards judgment time for the... Well, yeah. Yeah. I, but it's a, it's a book that covers a lot. So it's kind of... Yeah. It's kind of hard to say, like, what it is only about the end. Because it's not just about the end. Like, there's actually letters to the seven churches that existed at the time yeah. that John wrote them. So sometimes we read a little bit too much of the end into Revelation, and sometimes we don't read enough. It just depends. Yeah. You know, um, but the goal of my music is really to inspire people to know more about God and to inspire them to be curious about you so know, what do you the see end yourself, of things and their responsibility. Like, since you have uh, young children... You're kind of doing your part for the next generation for God. As long as we're still having children, then that kind of seems like God isn't ready to come down yet, right? This kind of like I think so. I think so. So, like, there's another line in the song that speaks to that. It's like, my only hope is in my child's play. What do you think about the when God made a promise to Abraham that there would be numerous descendants as numerous as stars or dust of the ground. He was considering Abraham righteousness. So maybe doesn't he have to fulfill that promise that there would be like endless. You are absolutely. Yeah. You're in a, you're a descendant of Abraham. Don't yeah. You know? Wouldn't there like, be like in theory that life could go on for a long time to create even more descendants? Like, yeah, it's supposed yeah. to go on forever. Yeah. There's always supposed to be descendants of Abraham. Absolutely. But are they going to be having children in heaven or is it just basically like here on earth? I don't know. I don't I don't think we'll be having children in heaven. But again, I don't know. Like I know God's making a new heaven and a new earth too. So yeah. that's a I have no idea. Well, let's assume um, it's only here and now and that we don't know if, if that's going to continue, but it seems like the promise, the way it was said, it was unmeasurable, like the numerous of stars or dust on the ground or the sand in the sea, that mm -hmm. it's even more than what we have now, like by trillions and gazillions more. Or yeah. That. I mean, I don't think at all a bad thing if we procreate after the eschaton. Like, but I, I don't even think now, I'm thinking may not be the end end if God is still multiplying the Gentiles yeah His yeah group. yeah i'm not married to now being the end at all i think yeah. i i'm very much open to the end not happening for another 100 200 300 years if if we Maybe you know a couple thousand years because yeah or a few thousand more baby like you know? that, yeah exactly if we don't completely destroy ourselves or allow yeah. the devil to destroy us yeah, I think it's a great opportunity to be actually more fruitful and multiplying because we're not in the harsh days of the yesteryears. We actually have more resources and collab because the more people on earth, the more uh, we create as individuals and make life even better without yeah. evil. I mean, the evil is what's kind of stopping it. But overall, I think people generally have more now, more available resources to live by and cleaner things to live in, you know, and housing and opportunities that were never available before, even to women, even children, the next generation. I think they have actually way more opportunities. than. Yeah, women. I think that's another thing. I think in a way, the devil wants the end to come, but doesn't yeah. want the end to come. You know, like I've always had this 
Like, he must be a very conflicted being. <laughs> because, like, yeah. you want to kill everybody, but don't you know that will bring out your end sooner? But then yeah. again, he's living a tortured, defeated existence right now. Yeah. And so I think there's a level of delusion that the devil has that is probably not even... I couldn't even understand it. Well, I'm because, sure he's troubled because he knows he has an end. But yeah. he's also intellectually enough and has power over the earth and individuals that he's kind of running the show. Like, this is his... Yeah. So why not? I mean, if that's your only existence, why not make yeah. the most of your ability? So I, I say let him do whatever he wants. But I think it's if we focus on the kingdom of God and having that opportunity to even enlarge it, you know, as, as Christians. Yeah, absolutely. Christians should be having kids. Yeah. Throughout I, all I, time, you should. Because another thing kids do is they humble you. They make you realize the aspects of yourself that aren't so great. Yeah. <laughs> because they mirror everything you do and say. And you're just like, man, you know what? I might be kind of an a-hole. <laughs> and yeah, you're just expressing my my behavior back to me. And so children are difficult to raise. And it's a struggle raising children when they're young, when they're medium aged, when they're older. They have different things they struggle with. And it's really, really good for people to experience that. Because um, it helps you understand your own relationship to the world and how you need to be humble and you need to be respectful to others and you need to always be trying to ascend to something that's unachievable for you at the moment because yeah. that's what children do like they're always trying to be strong like dad be be strong like mom be tall like them but they, they'll never achieve that in their childhood you know no, but it's also a new life, new opportunities that reflects God in a different mm -hmm. way than what yes. we. Yeah, that's a good point because I've known some a Christian guy who has a good following on the podcast, and you know he was preaching towards the end times, like it's going to happen now. Where I think mm -hmm. I got off of it a little bit at the time, but then he also just had new baby, so it didn't make any sense to me. That like, okay, if you have a baby, because there were a couple of Christians who had babies then. And I said, oh, well, then that clearly shows me that God is still providing a new life and new way to. Yeah. Well, it's also really easy to get lost in the romance of the end of the world. Yeah, for sure. Like, because I think like that's a very romantic idea and not like the lovey-dovey kind of romantic idea. Yeah. I mean, like the kind of kind of like a shakespearean romantic like this epic tale of you yeah. surviving till the bitter end because um, yeah. i think everybody wants to have that kind of epic story you yeah. know everybody well, wants to be part of something that's way bigger than their imagination and what they can understand and have a dynamic role in it and so you romanticize about what the end looks like because you're not just romanticizing about the end you're romanticizing about yourself going through it and that's oh, yeah. kind of cool. You yeah. Know, like, it's me against the world. Me and Jesus <laughs> against the entire world. It's like, you're not wrong. But yeah. if it doesn't end, like, in the next two decades, it's still you and Jesus against the world. It's just like. Oh, yeah. We, yeah, it's not as romantic. Times, even if it's 100 years from now. But 
doesn't have to happen now. I, I mean, I'm okay with whatever God has to bring to closure of this universe, but I don't like the idea that people always pushing negativity and despair and and because yeah. I think that's like a self fulfilling prophecy. The energy that's going up. Yeah. Uh, oh know? my gosh. So that defeats yeah. the purpose of having loving communities and loving things that we are now like in this new image of God that's coming together, new awareness, you know, with God. So I shouldn't that be like fruitful in every aspect, not just procreation, but in, in all that we do, it, it, it would seem like it's an awesome time for the future. If Christians, find yeah. it, you know, okay. Now is a great time to be alive because like, yeah. so the thing is the point of knowing how it's going to end is so that you're not, delusional you're not lost you know it's so like you under you understand like when it happens so that you're not swept away in the commotion of everything and freaking out and just wind up doing what the world does and and moving their will away from god be like all right screw this it's the end of the world you know (laughs) yeah Um, i'm done kind of thinking because i like when you when you obsess about the end of the world and you're constantly in fear of it you're not really you're living your life you're not really living like christ like you're just supposed to be watchful for it so you don't become deceived yeah Yeah, so you're not deceived yeah Yeah. like that's the point like it's like yay watch out for potholes you know (laughs) yeah you want to break your leg it's like, right. watch out for this world leader that's going to come in the end that's going to deceive everyone. It's watch out because you might be deceived, you know? Yeah, because, you know, in the in the Mark of the Beast verse in Revelation, it says anyone who took the mark is not in the book of life. But that conversely goes anyone who is in the book of life would not take the mark because it just makes sense. If you're with God and you accept that, or if you're written in the, hopefully you're written in the book of life, then I think that's versus warning you that you can easily reject the mark of the beast and would have that strength in God to get through it. Anyone who took it, they were not in written in the book of life anyway. Yeah. yeah so like, but the other thing you got to understand too, is like omniscience does not mean like predestination. I think a lot of people get lost in that. It's like, wait, God already knows who's going to gonna be with him is like well he knows everything so he kind of has to otherwise he wouldn't know everything he doesn't just know everything that's going to happen he knows everything that could happen like that's another level of like "Ah!" (laughs) and allow you to still have free will among all of that so like even though he knows it's gonna happen you still have that choice because we really there's no point you know as christians we really need to to let God be mysterious too. Yeah. We need to have that humility and be like, oh, just because I don't understand God doesn't mean that he doesn't make sense. It just means yeah. my brain is is too small. And maybe he just doesn't want us to know anything more than we already know. You know, like well, at this point. How I think can- that brings up a great point. Yeah. Because then it's too overwhelming. Then it might make you might not even live the way you're meant to live. If it's like having your whole life written out to you on day one, this is what you're going to do on 12, 14, 15. 
Would that even be helpful to anybody? Would that be helpful to you to know that? I think the opportunities are there when it's kind of like you're guided by God and you take those risks maybe you wouldn't have and you're kind of like understanding your environment and going with it, good yeah. and bad, rather than just saying, okay, you know, you're going to pass this exam on when you're 15 and you're going to become this and you're 18 or whatever. I don't think that's what God yeah. sort of. Well, I think that's why it's important for us to understand God as a father, because a, a good father isn't going to tell his son exactly what to do all the time. He's going to give his son opportunities <laughs> to make choices and, and not just like, Oh, you could do this and it'll be good for you and this and it'll be bad for you, hey. but you could choose a multiplicity of goods. Like you can go to this university, you can study this, you can study that, you can do all these things. And then whatever the child wants, like the father, you know, brings up along, it's like encourages and yeah. helps out he when it's appropriate. Yeah, he said he allows you to choose, but then he'll help you build your steps, uh, something like that. But yeah, yeah, I think though, like all these things exist for our benefit, you know, that we yeah. have opportunity to take up on anything that you imagine for yourself so why does it have to be like always negative thoughts like the you know the yeah well it's also like all the negative thoughts isn't understanding like the end of the world is coming for you when you <laughs> die that's the end of your world <laughs> that's like true. your apocalypse happens like everybody sees their apocalypse it's called that's your death right now yeah people need to stop romanticizing so much about the end you need to be aware of it so you're not deceived. But stop romanticizing so much about it that it distracts you from being like Christ. Because that's what it's doing. Like, let's yeah. not kid around. Like, you're reading all these books and studying prophecy because you want to be God in a way. You want to know. Yeah. Well, that's and like, exactly it. They that's think pride. Yeah. You're going to be deceived. Sorry, but like if you're operating under that kind of thinking, you're just being prideful. You're going to be deceived. And the reason I know that is because I thought like that and I wanted to know everything and it was to my own yeah. arrogance and pride. And it just wound up making me deceived in multiple ways. Well, yeah. Because I think it st sort of stunts your growth to live with God and walk by Him and do things by Him, much like. The Israelites, they were always, always so worried about basic things like food and water well in the wilderness and grumbled a lot. But then God always showed his power that you don't need anything but what I provide you. You know, he gave them water. He gave them manna. He gave them food, quail. Like he gave them even their clothes never wore out for 40 years. So, like, we just have to trust him no matter what the outcome is. Even mm -hmm. if we end up losing like the modern life, you know, like your house and stuff. But if you end up in the world and his God is still there with you, you know? Yeah. Well, I think it's this too. Like we get so lost in the ambition of our pursuit of knowing things sometimes yeah. that we actually wind up becoming the reason the world ends so abruptly. <laughs> I like, think that's you know, what's happening right now. Don't you? I, I feel well, that's like kind of the last, that's the last line of my song is in our okay. ambition, we became those wicked sons of Babylon. It's like yeah. in our ambition to solve all the world's problems and to become greater than we are, we actually caused the end of the world. Yeah. We, ca we caused ourselves to become the very thing that we hate and that we despise. That's so insightful. You know? I think that, yeah, I hope you can get that message across because I think that's why... 
Uh, I just, when I listened to you on KJ, I thought, you know what? He's got a lot of wisdom to share. And I think what well, you're saying with your song is very true. It's exactly what's happening right now. Well, the only way you get wisdom is if you ask God for it and he brings it to you and he gives it to you. Just know when you ask for win wisdom, you're also asking to be humiliated. Because well, humble, like Moses, right? He well, was- I would say humiliated because you, if you want to be wise, you have to let go of your foolishness. Yeah. And part of letting go of your foolishness is to look in the mirror and realize you're a fool <laughs> and to have others pointed out to you. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and that's why it's humiliating. Things, but it's like God gives us the grace to keep going, you know, like. Even yeah. Moses thought he couldn't do it when God. Well, it's him. not humiliating. I use the word humiliating because it's abrasive, and yeah. it kind of needs to be a little bit. It's gotta hurt, you know. Yeah. Like, you're not going to be wise if you haven't had pain. Yeah. If you haven't suffered the humiliation uh, of being a fool for a time, I don't think you're really going to understand your state of of uh, awareness. Because being wise is knowing your state. And it's knowing what you're aware of and what you're not. And then seeking out knowledge from God and from others. But I also um, think that's God gave your understanding. different wisdom to different Christians. Um, mm-hmm. They have a different job to do. You know, like, yeah. is just enough for you to do your job. Maybe not everything. And then other body of Christ come in and they share their wisdom. So the more that we gather together is actually when we kind of get more complete picture, you know. As yeah. We, yeah. What a great point. That is a great point because we need each other. Yeah, we do. Like, oh, we need each other so much. Like, I I think I'm an island so much and that's so foolish. I am too, unfortunately. And I, I don't know how to grow that, but I try. You know, I do these with the podcast to meet other Christians and stuff like you. So I'm glad that you're in my circle now uh but it is still hard because you know like in the actual real world community around me uh i don't actually know that many christians or even thinking about ideas like you and i are thinking about uh, so a lot of it is just you know learning from mostly online right now but i would like to have a real community you know that would gather i, th- I think you all humans need a real like physical yeah. community in our own area and yeah. and there are people around you who believe similarly to you and and also get some people who disagree with you too because that's healthy like yeah, you, you gotta have a good mix. yeah yeah because like you're not right about everything and neither am i no it's kind of like you're just taking well, God lives inside of you. God lives inside of me. But when we gather, I think there's more of a synergy and energy that's there. We could pray for one another, you know, that we can release people from their bondage, that they are mm-hmm. able to do it on their own. And I think that's the reason why I want to gather, you know, at least in person, but even online, you know, and it, it has helped me a lot. So that's yeah. why I do these podcasts and maybe it's also easier to become more like Christ when you're around others. Yeah. Because they can see things in you that you can't see both good and bad. No, um, that's because true. I- they should have an insight about others that maybe you're just not aware of, you know, sometimes the persecution of your friends, right or wrong can give you a spiritual benefit 
um, and help you grow in a way that you would have never been able to grow. Unfortunately, I think you're right about that, but nobody likes those experiences, you know. Like, oh, they're awful. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, just awful. Yeah. I'd much rather have friendly uh, atmosphere than anything combative, really. But then you do meet people along the way that can combat you that you didn't even intend, but spiritually you're in a battle with them. And then like, can go. I I've been recently reading like the the writings of the Desert Fathers and the Saints. I'm not reading, but listening to because there's a lot of YouTube videos and yeah. a lot of like the the saints of the Eastern Orthodox Church went through some kind of betrayal with people in their church in their community that was very that wasn't true, and somebody accused them of something, and yet rather than them you know, protesting and being like, this isn't true and I can prove it. They would actually just allow that person to just ruin, kind of ruin their kind of entire stance in the community. And then their community would reject them. And then they would go off and be like, no, that didn't happen. But they wouldn't like fight it too much. And they would just let it humble them yeah. and grow them spiritually and become more like Christ. And in the end, um, wind up actually winning that whole community over to Christ even wow. more so. So I always en I encourage people to to kind of like listen to the lives of the saints um, yeah. because it's really good, especially like especially like for Protestants to listen to that because you're going to get so much more insight um, to things and a more understanding of things that you don't understand. And, oh, so yeah because they went through it already and they went through yeah much greater persecution and hardship than us today i mean what paul and the apostles went through i mean they oh, didn't yeah. in the end you know they got they inherited the kingdom but they had to suffer in their life and lose their lives in a terrible ways well not only that they lost their lives while living yeah right they lost their their comforts their jobs their everything yeah. and they a lot of the time they lost their families like a lot of their families could have been like were like killed yeah well or i think they, that's what the biggest fear is right now is that most people they don't want to lose their job and the things that they you know created in this life that's yeah. that's the fear you know but either way so i I don't want to take so much more of your time, but you've been super educational and wisdom. I, I would oh, love thank to talk you. To you more about end time stuff in the future someday. Um, so I will post your song and your links. If anybody wants to get hold of them, they can probably contact them through Facebook if you want to collaborate. Yes, yes. Facebook. Um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and everything. I read pretty much all my messages. You shouldn't have any problem like getting a hold of me or anything if you want to. But yeah. thank you. I'm very I'm very humbled that you asked me to be on your YouTube channel, and uh, I'll be watching more of your videos as well. So oh, thank you so much. I mean, I love listening to what you said on uh, KJ's, and that was I think it was most helpful for me actually, an eye awakening experience that perhaps the ending is not 
when people say it is, it's because when you see babies being born, there's still more life being created. And it's what you said that maybe the end might not have soul babies with souls being born that, that nothing more to preach, nothing more to save if they're not human anymore. So that, yeah. yeah. So that gives me hope that we can still continue to think and dream about what we want for our future and not worry so much that it's going to be tomorrow. Um, and more importantly, it gives people more people the opportunity to, to live with Christ. Yeah. All the new generation that's going to be continue to be born. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, I will be in touch with you through Facebook. And I don't know if you have any interest in Bible study teaching at all. I do. I do. I, I listen to stuff all the time. I mean, I, I don't respond a lot in chats and stuff just because I'm working or busy with the yeah. kids, but I'm always listening to stuff and I love listening to new stuff, especially like from people like yourself who have very different backgrounds and perspective on things. Um, yeah. So I, what do you yeah. think about um, doing Bible reading and commenting on Leviticus? That's my next book and I don't have a partner anymore. What days do you usually do that? I haven't picked. It could be whenever you have availability. I'll work around your schedule. Um, I'm pretty open-minded to to doing stuff are? like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I I actually grew up in like a Hebrew roots kind of movement. So we uh -oh. like tried following the law and everything. I don't agree with that anymore. No, um, I don't. I've kind of grown yeah. past that, but I do have some 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 things to say on it. Um, oh, I'm by okay. no means so any kind of expert. No, I don't care about being an expert. Just yourself who read the Bible and kind of understand it enough to comment on it. That's what me yeah. and Mark were doing for the earlier two books. But he uh, he has a very busy schedule now. He wants to move on for other works. I have to find someone else that's willing to read and comment. So if you're willing to do that, I would really appreciate that. Then we can start. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. We'll have to talk more about specifics, yeah. but yeah, I, that sounds like a lot of fun. Awesome. So that kind of answered my prayer for next one to continue to reading the Bible. So I will be in touch for sure. Well, thank awesome. you so much. If Good. I get like really busy or something, I'll, I'll be totally honest with you and everything. Oh yeah. As well. No worries. This will yeah. be strictly on your schedule. Cause uh, anyway, okay. so no worries about that. All right. Take care everybody. Oh, oh. Real quick. It's Seema, right? Yep, Sima. Sima. Yeah. Is that what is that what what nationality does that name come He's from? It's Indian. I was born in India but then raised here. So Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know, like God found me among all those people in my own family. So I'm kinda on my own island. Uh oh wow. Yeah. So that's why I love when I talk to you guys and be able to keep going. Um so yeah, and you're in Central Central America. I'm in not Minnesota. like Mexico, but like no, no, no. Oh, Minnesota. Yeah. So I'm in a cold state, like you. Yeah, Ohio's cold. Nice. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not too. It's not as bad as Minnesota. I've been to Minneapolis a few times, and it gets way colder there. Oh yeah, it's right now. It's uh, thirty, not too bad, but it can get to like tens and twenties, bitter cold. It's coming. I mean, it's literally at the door right now. So. I'll get through it somehow this winter. <laughs> oh, just do you have a wood burning stove or anything? No, I rent, so I get their radio, uh -oh. which is a good because they 
they're working. Uh, I don't mind the cold so much. I just don't like the darkness that for three, four months, like everything gets dark around <sighs> four o'clock. And like, yeah. you know, you can't walk outside because it's like icy everywhere. So it's I'm, depressing. Yeah, it is depressing. So for those few months, I wish I could kind of leave and then come back. Other than that, it's fine. Weather's, it's, I like the colder states than the hot states like Arizona and stuff. I can't take the heat too well, but I do love the sun. So I may be escaping. Anyway, um, so I will see you shortly and we'll talk about Leviticus. And I think all the people who've been watching the Two Witnesses series, they're probably really appreciative that I can keep going because it was kind of touch and go there. I didn't know if I had to end it. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. And happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there and you, Jared, and your wonderful brand new family. Uh, I'm glad that you're doing God's command and uh, I wish all of you the best. So talk to you soon. Thank you. Likewise. It was a great time. Thank you so much for asking me. Oh, no, you're, you're wonderful. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Bye. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye.